Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Pinch of Magic with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So welcome back to our second series and our second episode. This series is all about building relationship with the self and the energies around you. Last week, we looked at um, understanding your intuition. This week, we're going to look at building inner harmony, building a deeper relationship with yourself. Now, in the last episode, we touched on self-trust and we're going to dive much deeper into that today about the importance of self-trust, self-understanding in your magical practice, discussing how to cultivate more self-love, even forgiveness and self-acceptance as a foundation for trusting yourself, deepening into your own magic. Now, in the last episode, I used the example of why trust is so important and particularly I should say self-trust is so important because if I told you that person over there was a wrong one, don't trust them. They're always lying. They're always like talking negatively about other people. No matter how friendly, no matter what they said to you, you would always have the energy of, yeah, I don't really believe you. The words sound lovely, but your actions don't align with that. There's that phrase, isn't there? Um, Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. And it's the same for us. If we are consistently lying to ourselves, which, you know, it's very easy to do, those little lies, if we find it easy to lie to ourselves about the little things, oh yes, you know, I'll definitely do some exercise tomorrow, I'll definitely do that thing tomorrow, oh yes, I'm going to stop doing that, I'm not going to put up with that anymore, and then we do. My one, I always always share, it's like going to bed early, definitely going to make it to bed before midnight, and then when you don't, you turn into that liar. And whilst you might not think the small lies are very important, oh yeah, but you know, I'll I'll try better tomorrow or, you know, oh, I was just too busy today, it doesn't matter. If someone else was lying to you and gave you those excuses, you would would still dismiss them. And yet we think it's perfectly acceptable to do that to ourselves. And then when it comes to things like our magic, trusting ourselves, trusting our choices, trusting our intuition... We find it really hard to trust those things. We make that decision. We totally believe it. We're like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And then a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, you're like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe maybe my intuition wasn't correct. Oh, that magic's not working. I, I can't really do that thing. Because we're now we're undermining ourselves because we don't actually believe in ourselves. Now, I've shared before, but I think it's really funny. I actually used to believe like 10 years ago that I could bend time. I actually thought I could bend time. And because I could say to myself, oh, yes, that's going to take me 15 minutes to do. And I would absolutely believe it was going to take 15 minutes to do. And it would take 15 minutes to do. But when I looked at the amount of work that I just produced, I'm like, holy broomsticks. How did I do that in 15 minutes? Or I would have to be somewhere in a certain time. I'm like, oh yeah, that'll take me 25 minutes to drive, no problem. And I would drive it in 25 minutes without like breaking the speed limit or anything like that or driving dangerously. And then I'd think, I'd get there and I'd be like, how on earth did I actually manage to drive that in that amount of time with that traffic and obviously, you know, keeping within the speed limit? And it would happen so frequently. I was like, oh my God, I think I must be able to bend time. But over the years, I've what I've realised is, is I trust myself. So in those moments, I mean, I wish I could force it, but that's not actually how trust works, is it? We can't make ourselves believe something that, you know, we know not to be true. But when I looked at a piece of work or when I had 
thought about a drive and I didn't know actually how long that piece of work was going to take or how long that drive was actually going to be. And I'm like, oh yeah, I think in, yeah, in my mind it's going to be like 25 minutes or that piece of work is going to be half an hour. I would get it done in that time because I don't lie to myself. So when my brain said to me, oh yeah, that piece of work is going to take half an hour. It was like, yeah, brilliant. It's going to take half an hour. And it would take half an hour because I don't lie to myself. So it's like, well, if she's expecting it to be done in half an hour and she said it's going to be done in half an hour, it must be able to be done in half an hour. And this is like this really weird phenomena. But like I say, I actually thought I could bend time. (laughs) And now I think, oh, it's just because I don't lie to myself. So if I tell myself something's going to happen or I'm going to do something, I know it's going to get done in that timescale. Um, that all, can also have a negative effect, of course, because if I ever tell myself, oh, no, I'll never be able to do that. Guess what? I'm not going to be able to do that. So that is the power of us believing in ourselves. And like I say, I wish I could say, oh, this piece of work that I actually know is going to take me two, two hours. I wish I could say, oh, that's only going to take me 10 minutes. But of course, I know that's a lie. So um, there has to be an 11. We have to actually believe it to be true. So when we do trust ourselves, it changes everything. It changes our ability to make decisions. It changes our ability to trust ourselves, our our instincts, our intuition. It just makes everything easier. And when people say to me, Rebecca, how do I trust my intuition? The first thing I always tell them is become a person of your word. When we become a person of our word, when we do what we say, mainly to ourselves, but equally to other people, we then follow through. Everything becomes true for us. We we just know in our bones that what we're doing is true. So if you add that to your magic, when you sit down and do a piece of magic and you're bringing all of you know your intentions together, your actions together, that is so much more powerful because you are aligning so much more energy, as we'll talk about later in the show. Um, when you start not trusting yourself, when you start doubting yourself, instead of having that very clear direction and intentional magic suddenly it's scattered it's all over the place and you've just like got some herbs and blown them in the wind hoping for the best when actually maybe what you should done is or rather actually a better analogy would be you've got some seeds and you've just blown them to the wind hoping they're going to land in some soil hoping the birds aren't going to eat them instead of what you should have done is planted those seeds in rich nourishing soil maybe put them in a greenhouse as they start to grow and then planted them outside but that's how we, that's the importance of trusting yourself. It is the like the backbone of of really successful, consistent magic and also for a consistent, successful life so that, you know, you have your own back so that you're um, there's a book written in 1900s. Uh, ugh, I can't remember the exact time. Anyway, early, early 1900s, not like the 1900s when I was born. Um, <laughs> And it was by a woman called Florence Chauvel Shin. And she wrote a book called Your Word is Your Wand. I mean, when you read it today, you know, it's very much of the time. But if you if you can read past some of the of the time moments, it's, you know, some of the, the, the idea of your word being your wand is just, it's brilliant. It's so true. It's like, we know that our words are powerful. They are like literal spells that we send out into the world. And when we have that energy of like trust, focus and intention behind them, everything changes. So it's just a, a the, the 
I suppose it's, mm, I nearly said the only way, but it, that's probably not true at all. But it's the strongest, most powerful way for us to channel any kind of energy is through that energy of self-trust, of being mindful of the words that you speak, to, to speak words that are true and honest. Now, I know a lot of people think that like, you know, on all the Hallmark cards, it's like love is the strongest force. And while that might be true, I actually believe that truth is actually up there too. Truth is one of the most powerful forces we have because it has the power to cut through everything. When we know truth, when we step into that energy, we absolutely trust and believe it. Once we know truth, we can't unknow it. So it's it's so powerful. We often avoid it because it's like, oh no, once, once I know that, once I accept that, then I have to create change. And it's that same energy of trust. It's like when we know truth, and we trust ourselves, we can trust the universe, we can trust our abilities to overcome obstacles, to do the hard things, to, you know, ask for help. It's like our whole world will completely change. It's like it cuts out all of the noise, all of the doubt, all of those judgments, expectations, comparison. They kind of just like fade into the distance because we know we have our own back. We can trust ourselves, which steps us into the energy of truth. And that is a really powerful thing. Now, if you add to that the energy of love, and now we're talking self-love, it's like unstoppable energy. <laughs> it becomes so, so powerful. Because again, it's like the energy of trusting ourselves, believing in ourselves, but also now bringing in that energy of self-love. It's like honouring ourselves. It's like knowing we are worthy of our dreams, our desires of being respected, of being recognised, of being acknowledged. It's removing ourselves from situations that drain us, that are toxic. It's saying no, it's saying yes, it's stopping things, it's starting things. It's just honouring ourselves as you know, the the magical creature that you are, <laughs> whether, you know, whatever your beliefs around like soul or spirit or what's come before us, what's coming after us, it's like truly honouring the magic, the power that you are and holding yourself with such reverence. I was speaking to someone recently and they're, they're going through a bit of a messy time, let's say, and I, I just said to her, and you know, this is really good for everyone. If you unconditionally loved yourself, what choice would you make? Now, that's never going to be the easy choice. But if you loved yourself unconditionally, what choice would you make? And start asking yourself that question. If you loved yourself unconditionally, would you stay in that job, in that relationship, with that friendship? Would you talk to yourself the way that you talk to yourself? Would you berate yourself the way that you berate yourself? Would you forgive yourself? Would you allow yourself the same grace that you show other people? If you loved yourself unconditionally, what choice would you make? Okay, we'll come back to self-love in a moment, because what I do want to talk about is like how lack of self-trust actually hinders you in, I don't know, in magic, in your everyday choices. So for example, let's just look at divination. If you lack confidence, 
lack confidence in your intuition, in your own in your own self, if you're second guessing every card, every charm that you cast, your readings will become increasingly unclear and inaccurate, causing further doubt and dis- diminishing even more trust in your own abilities. Because instead of just being open to curiosity and going, oh yeah, okay, that card or that charm, I think, you know, and instantly going, oh, it means this. And then you're going, oh, does it though? I'm not really sure. Or it could mean this, or it could mean this. Instead of going, oh, I've got this card, this charm, let me just write it down. And let's see how that comes up. Straight away, you're into the energy of analysing it. And when we start analysing our intuition, we tear it apart because our, our intuition isn't supposed to go under a microscope. It's clean, it's clear, it's often instant information like that flash of insight that you receive and then we're like oh but I need proof oh but I need this oh but I'm not really sure let me just pull another 15 cards to prove that that card was right in the first place and straight away what you're saying is I don't trust myself I don't trust the cards I don't trust this process I don't trust my ability to interpret those cards so guess what then we stop trusting the energy maybe you do a spell for abundance and you you know, light your candles, burn your herbs, write out your pieces of paper, set them on fire, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. But then you are constantly worried that it won't work or that you don't deserve prosperity or that it's okay for everyone else. It happens to everyone else, but it doesn't happen for you. Those mixed signals sent out into the universe can stop you getting the results you truly desire. Because like I mentioned earlier, it's like we want that energy to be very clear and consistent. Now, it doesn't mean that if you don't believe that the spell is going to work, you shouldn't do it. But it is about looking at the underlying beliefs and patterns that you have so that you can trust yourself. So that you're like, oh, yes, I have like proof that I have received money in the past. And actually, those stories that I tell myself aren't true. So, yes, of course, this spell is going to help me bring in those opportunities for more abundance. They're going to help me clear those patterns. They're going to introduce me to something that's going to help, you know, bring more wealth into your world, whatever it is. But once again, it's about remaining open and curious rather than doing something and then tearing it apart with your intellect, tearing it apart with doubt, worries, fears. Um, The same with if you did something for protection, maybe you craft an amulet, maybe you imagine your beautiful purple bubble around you. But then you start doubting your own power to create this, you know, whether it's um, an amulet, a talisman holding the space of the purple bubble. Maybe you're like, maybe I'm imagining this. Maybe it's not really going to work. Maybe you also doubt that you can actually hold your boundaries, um, like physically, energetically, spiritually. Perhaps you doubt that oh, it's okay for other people, but they haven't been through what I've been through. This isn't going to work for me. Oh, these kind of things don't. And again, we've, we'd step into the energy of doubt. And then over time, you might notice that the your amulet, your, you know, your purple bubble isn't as effective as it once was because you're draining its power. You're not letting it do its work. You're there like almost like interfering with its job (laughs) instead of like doing it, trusting it, knowing it's there. Now, of course, those things, we can add energy to them to like um, recharge their effectiveness. But if you've done it and then you're just doubting it, worrying about it, then it becomes you know, it just loses its effectiveness because you're micromanaging, you're meddling in something that it's like you've done it, leave it, trust it. 
and that's it. And I, I often kind of think about this about children. Obviously, my little boy's only seven, so I have a long way to go yet. But when they when he leaves home, eventually, assuming they do, um, you just have to trust that you've given them the right tools that they're going to be okay. You know, trust that they can feed themselves, wash themselves, dress themselves, be functional adults in the world, that they can contribute to the world. There's no good sending them out into the world and then micromanaging them. That is not going to be helpful for them, for you, for anyone else. It undermines like your confidence in them, which undermines them their belief in themselves. And yet that's what you're doing to your spells. You're sending them out into the world. You're sending your magic out into the world with your affirmations, with your intentions, with your power poses, with your journaling, with your spell work, whatever it is, you're sending them out into the world and go, oh, oh, but are you okay? Have you got your raincoat? You know, <laughs> you're, they're just like, oh, what's the point? Whereas we have to send our magic into the world, our children into the world as like confident people. That doesn't mean they don't need a little bit of help or a little bit of recharging. It doesn't mean we can't hold space for them and love them incredibly. And we have to let them walk on their own two feet too. So, when we look at, you know, I've mentioned doubt, fears, worries, uncertainties, those things can show up as um, analysis paralysis. Too much doubt can lead to overthinking every aspect of your spell or ritual, like I've just said, whether it's divination, whether it's your spellcraft, making it difficult even to start doing the work. You know, this is so damaging, especially when we need the intent, your will to be focused, to be gathered. Magic, you'll get the best, most effective magic in the world when we just focus our energy. It's like why we always say like why it's so important to have intentions, not because we set an intention and then like imagine it just going off into the world, because we set an intention and that's like your North Star. So I was having this conversation with someone the other day, actually, <laughs> when I work with my um, one-to-one clients, I use um, an app called Vox and it's like a little walkie-talkie. So they can leave me a message, ask me a question. And then when I'm around, I can respond to their question. And they asked me about an intention and they said, oh, how do I set intentions? I was like, oh my gosh, I've done so many podcasts on intentions and affirmations. And I was like, I'll try and keep this short. It ended up being eight minutes long, which is so, so long. So I always tell people to try and keep messages under three minutes. But this is how important intentions are. It's like this energy of like clarity. We set our intention and it's like a North Star. Now, this person said, yeah, but surely I just set an intention and then let the universe do its thing. And it's kind of like yes and no. So we set the intention and it's like a sailor using that North Star as a compass. But the sailor still has to build the boat or get the boat, has to get the crew, has to like get all the uh, provisions on board. It has to get the team working together as a, as a, as a unit. They have to set sail. They have to like raise the, the hoist the sail. They have to, you know, steer the ship and they have to keep an eye on the intention. They have to trust that they can navigate that team across the oceans. They have to trust in their own abilities to be able to navigate the ship, to navigate the different weathers and the winds and the stars when there's a cloudy day. They have to trust their abilities to manage a team, to like look after the rations, to get the right people in the right positions, to manage all the day-to-day duties on the ship. It's never just like set an intention and then 
let it go. It's like we set the intention. We do let it go as in we're not micromanaging, but then we still have to trust in our ability to do all of the things to still make it happen. Your magic, your intention is like creating the pathway for you now to follow with clear intent. It's like clearing the path ahead of you of those obstacles so that you can move forward. It's clearing the path and sprinkling dust, little fairy dust to go over here, try this opportunity, reach out to this person. Oh, look, this book's just fallen off the shelf. This is one that you should read. So this is why it's so important that we do trust because we have, there's so many things we have to trust. We can't possibly micromanage all of those moments. Okay. So North Star intentions, trusting yourself, trusting your ability doesn't mean you have to be able to do all of the things again, like a ship. The, you know, the captain of the ship isn't steering. They're not um, maintaining all of the ship. They're not doing all of the work. They've got a whole crew to do that. They've got people making food, managing the the rations. They've got people actually, I don't know, rowing or steering the boat, boat or stoking the fire, whatever kind of boat this is. Um, someone maintaining it. Got all of these people helping and supporting. It's not about doing it all yourself, but it's like trusting the right people, trusting that you know, to say yes to someone or to say no to someone. All of this comes back to that energy of trust. And that's how we become much more effective in in our magic, in maintaining our own power. Something else people can be afraid of that can under undermine our trust is fear of backlash or fear of doing it wrong. And so many people say, Rebecca, how can I do this safely? Which is, you know, absolutely a valid concern. But if you stay true to yourself, if you trust yourself and your intuition and you're not doing something to cause harm to somebody else, it's like you're pretty much going to be okay, you know. And also, we also know that the things that we learn most from in the world are just taking action. Sometimes we might not quite get the result we want, but it informs us for the next time we do something. But when you fear that potential of negative repercussions, it leads to hesitancy and it stops you really owning your magic, asking for what you want and moving forward. Another way that shows up is through self-sabotage. When we have a deep-rooted lack of self-trust, those subconscious like blocks um, or the need to prove yourself right, oh, it never works for me. I'll never be able to, I don't know, have experienced this in my life. I'll never be able to release this. It's like we have this huge desire to prove ourselves right and go, see, told you, told you this wouldn't work for me. Nothing else has worked for me. When I was, uh, I don't know, about seven or eight years old, I grew up in Cornwall. And in Cornwall, there's only two roads to get into Cornwall. So the county of Cornwall is, if you look at the map of the UK, it's right on the bottom left, like looking like a little foot that puts out, that, that kicks out into the Atlantic and the Channel. And um, there's a little, there's one one road, the road that I lived on the south coast of Cornwall. So the south, to get into the south of Cornwall, you go across a bridge and you go from Devon into Cornwall across this bridge over the Tamar River. And it's, it's a lovely bridge. But every time I went over it, I was like, oh my God, it's going to, it's going to collapse. It's going to break. And I I don't know why, but I was terrified of this bridge. It's not even a particularly um, high bridge. It's not a particularly long bridge, but I was convinced this bridge, every time I went, I went over it, it was going to fail. And my cousin, who's quite a few years older than me, she just went, why are you so special that it's going to break when you're on it? Sounds pretty harsh, but honestly, it changed. <laughs> those words pretty much changed my life. I was like, 
oh yeah, why am I so special that it's going to break only when I'm on it? This bridge had been there since like 1800 and something. Isambard Brunel um, uh, built it. So that's how old it was. Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Um, And I said, yes, I think it was like 1800 and something. And so it had been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And there's me going, oh no, it's going to break when I'm on it. And it was just like that idea of like, why are you so special that that it would break when you're on it and it's the same with like your magic it's the same with like overcoming patterns it's like why are you so special that you would be the only person in the world that this like owning their magic wouldn't work for why are you so special that that intention you're setting isn't going to work for you when we know that when people get intentional and they take um, action to back up their intentions that magic happens time and time and time again. But why are you so special? It wouldn't happen to you. That's self-sabotage patterns. So we want you to overcome those, notice them and not need to prove yourself right. (laughs) You don't have to prove yourself right that it's not going to work for you. But unfortunately, these patterns are often like unconscious. So it's about bringing them to the surface. And we'll talk about how to do that in a little bit. So yes, not get, like clearing those self-imposed beliefs that either you're not capable or stuff isn't going to work for you. Hopefully your cousins are maybe a bit kinder, but like I say, um, it really did change so much for me. Um, and then there's that belief that maybe you're disconnected from your intuition. Doubt and uncertainty creating a barrier between you and your intuitive abilities, making it difficult to connect with your magical work. Um, and your intuition, because yes, you can go and buy a spell book, brilliant, lots of great ideas, but they are just recipes. And whilst some are tried and t- tested and, you know, you might be like, yep, that's exactly how I want to do it. I know that's works. I That feels really good. Sometimes you're like, oh yeah, that feels really good, but actually I hate the smell of that, or I don't like this, or actually I, I, I want this, but not quite like that. Well, that's when we have to trust our intuition to really create magic. Um, that aligns with us completely. But if you don't trust yourself, you're going to miss out on that kind of like secret source, that the magic that makes you you. Like I have an affinity for candle spells. I can do lots of other spells, but when I bring in that fire, that wax, that heat, a little bit of herbs around the outside, that's my that's my magic. When my friends say to me, oh, I've got this going on, I'm like, <laughs> let me do you a candle spell for that one. Um, when I need to do something myself, do a candle spell. Now, of course, I could look at those situations that I'm working on and going, oh yes, I could do this kind of spell or I could do this kind of magic or actually I could do some journaling around that. I know for me personally, it's much more effective to bring in the fire. God, I love that Celt in me. And it's like, but I trust that. Even if someone had said, oh, you should do this, I would be open to hearing that, to receiving it, to feeling into it. And then I would ultimately trust myself and my intuition. So if you don't trust your intuition, you miss out on a whole host of information that is available to you, um, like your own power and magic. So again, this is why we need to trust ourselves because when we trust ourselves, we trust the intuition so much more. And then the other thing is energy drains. If you are constantly worrying, lacking trust, doubting yourself, second guessing yourself, going back over the same stuff time and time and time again, that drains you energetically, emotionally, spiritually, magically, powerfully, all of the ways, leaving very little reserves for the focused energy that 
you know, for you to feel successful that that brings. So understanding that those things are there. So analysing too much, worrying about doing it wrong, self-sabotage, not feeling connected to your intuition and draining yourself energetically. When you're aware of those, it's the first step to overcoming them, allowing for more confident and effective magic, but also more confident and effective experience in life. So we've talked about like self-understanding um, before, but just to remind you, some of the things that you can be doing to understand these even deeper are things like um, self-reflection. So talking to other people, a trusted advisor or journaling, looking inward for understanding and knowing yourself better, which is why I spent so long in the first series talking about the importance of knowing yourself. Um identifying old patterns, old stories, getting rid of the judgments and expectations. It's one of the things I'm most, um, that I, I suppose I'm most passionate about. I was about to say powerful about, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting word to come through. But it's, again, it's one of the areas that I really excel in is helping people break those old patterns, those stories of noticing the judgments, the expectations, the things that are holding people back. And if you've been on my mailing list, you would have seen that I've recently released a program called Break the Spells. And it's this process that you just go through. It's a self-study program where you just go through and identify those patterns and let them go and clear them. And I have something very exciting coming up, which is a live version of that for those people that really want to keep that momentum going. But identifying those old patterns, those stories is so crucial for you becoming free of them. So you can do that by like journaling, through meditation, through divination, when you trust yourself as ways to explore those patterns, those blocks that are holding you back. Or of course, you know, I've got a course or there are other people that you can work with to identify those and to clear those away. When you know yourself, it leads to like more consistent success, more effective in your, just in your magic, in your intentions, in the rituals, in the spell work, in everything. Your relationships become more intentional. Everything just becomes clear because you don't have this constant static going on around you. So clearing the static, let's come back to self-love. What does self-love actually mean to you? And especially in the context of magic. So self-love isn't just about caring for yourself. It's not just about, you know, um, manicures or pedicures or bubble baths, although they're all lovely. But self-love is about respecting yourself, respecting your spiritual paths, respecting your abilities, but respecting your beliefs of, of holding yourself with grace. Um, ways that you can really cultivate self-love are things like being kind to yourself, treating yourself the same way you would treat a small child. Um, you could say affirmations aimed at loving yourself or being kinder to yourself. Often, you know, when I, I speak to people, they're like, I'm like, oh, how is it you want to show up in the world? And they're like, oh, I want to be nice. I'm like, please don't be nice. Nice is a horrible word. And I'm kind of, again, traumatised by my um, English teacher at secondary school. And she was like, no, nice as a biscuit. That might be nice, but we've always called them nice biscuits over here. N-I-C-E, nice as a biscuit, nice as rubbish. Be kind, be generous, be compassionate. Don't be nice. Okay. So when you hold yourself with self-love, what words could you use that really, it's like, I'm just having this image of like you wrapped up in like the most comfy little duvet um, or blankets. It's like, what could you do to 
it's almost like that energy of protecting yourself from the judgments, from the conditioning, from the expectations of other people. Because you're like, yeah, I'm safe in here. I, 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 I have my own back. So maybe you are going to treat yourself with more kindness. Maybe you are going to treat yourself with more compassion. And like I said, if you had a tiny little baby who was, you know, a few days old and they were crying, you wouldn't shout at them. You wouldn't tell them off. You would try and find out what they needed. Did they need a cuddle? Did they need some food? Did they need changing? Did they just need comforting? Did they need like to be held next to your skin and go for a little walk just to bring in some rhythm for them as they're in this whole new entire world? And it's the same thing for you <laughs> when you're crying, when you're crying inside, when you're crying actual tears, when you're feeling angry, when you're feeling all of those feelings that feel too much. What would you say to yourself or how would you treat yourself if you were only a few days old? You wouldn't be there telling yourself off, berating yourself. You wouldn't be there trying to numb out every feeling by scrolling, eating, drinking. You'd be like going, oh my goodness, what can I do for you? And you'd be giving yourself some love. You'd be giving yourself some comfort. You'd be giving yourself, you know, an early night. You'd be <laughs> rocking yourself to sleep. Whatever it is, you would give yourself that. How different would your life be? if you loved yourself enough or even just considered that you were worthy of that much love, that someone or yourself rather could look after yourself, could love yourself, support yourself, nourish yourself. How different would that be? Because when we have that energy of self-love, it acts like a multiplier in everything we do. It amplifies everything, amplifying the outcomes, outcomes of if you're in a relationship and you love yourself incredibly, it amplifies the amount of love you can hold for other people. It amplifies the amount of love that you can you can receive because you're so used to holding the energy of self-love that when someone else loves you, you're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Or, you know, you can hold more space, more love for other people in your life because it amplifies things. If you are constantly criticising yourself, tearing yourself down, berating yourself, as society would love us to do, because then it taps us into all of the fears, all of the doubts, and we become perfect little purchasers. But if you are tearing yourself down, it becomes really hard to actually hold other people in a really healthy love. We might love someone, but it comes with conditions, or we might love someone, but it comes with fear and constraints and control and doubt and suspicion. But when we love ourselves first... All of our, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship relationship, whether it's a parental relationship, all of those things become so much richer when we love ourselves first because we are not looking to anyone else to give that love to us. We're not looking for anyone else to fill ourselves up. So it just multiplies our magic, multiplies our outcomes. So when we bring that energy of love and trust, boom, <laughs> that's, that's the winning combination here. So to get to that energy of self-love, often there's the energy of forgiveness and self-acceptance. Okay, self-love isn't about saying I'm perfect, that's it, I'm done, I can't do any wrong. But it is about just accepting where you are, accepting who you are, accepting your past, accepting your future, accepting your circumstances, knowing that we can change all of them. We can change how we view our past, we can let go of any pain or struggle, not to not to um, forget that it happened, but just so it doesn't keep us back there. 
We can change our future by connecting in with our dreams and desires. We can change our present by accepting where we are. And when we accept the truth, again, once we know truth, we can then just change how we show up. We can change our way of being in the world when we are true. Now, forgiveness, holding grudges or regrets creates energetic blocks. It creates energetic ties to the past. And when we let go of those things, it changes everything for us. Now, forgiveness doesn't have to mean that you forgive the other person or that it made it okay. Forgiveness just means that you're letting go and no longer allowing them to impact you. So when I was eight, my dad left. It was such a messy divorce. And back then, divorce wasn't really a common thing. It's like no one else in my school that I knew of um, had divorced parents. Definitely no one in my class. And it was really painful. It's so cliched. My dad ran off with my mum's best friend and ensues big soap opera drama. Anyway, I was really angry at my dad. I didn't understand what was going on. There was like no support or counselling systems back then. Just like very stoic attitude of just get on with it. And I can remember very clearly, I was 16 years old. I had a summer job and I was walking um, in my hometown. I was walking over the bridge down the other side of the river. The, the, the river was like twinkling. The boats were bobbing up and down. It was absolutely beautiful morning as I was walking to work. And I just suddenly realised, oh, I'm 16 now. I've hated my dad. I mean, I really felt such deep anger and resentment. Um, I really hated my dad. I was, I was like, I've hated him for eight, for like half of my life, the grand old age of 16. I was like, I've hated him for half of my life and he doesn't even know it. He'd moved to the other side of the country. I hadn't seen him for, you know, since since I was about eight. And I was like, the only person that knows I'm angry at him is me. The only person who is being hurt is me. And in that moment, something switched just like that. And I no longer hated him anymore. I just let it go. And it was just like this realisation of the only person this is hurting is me. I was fully entitled to my anger. I was fully entitled to to my hatred. <laughs> you know, I was fully entitled to my frustration, to my feeling abandoned and rejected and all of those things. Absolutely, I was entitled to all of those things. He behaved like an absolute numbskull. Um, and not that how I'd wish anyone to have their father behave. And yet the only person I was hurting was me. And so when I let that go, it was like the biggest weight had lifted off my little teenage shoulders and I've never had that hate ever again. I've never well, not had in contact with him. I don't know where he is. I have no interest in that. And it's just like, oh, I can just let that go. And it wasn't that it was like, oh, yes, I'm going to make it easy for him. And I, oh, I forgive you. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to speak to him. I didn't have to make it OK for him. I didn't have to reconcile anything. I didn't have to, you know, justify why his why he behaved in the way he did. I did it for me. I was like, oh, I no longer have to be attached to that person, to that pain, to that activity. I'm going to let it go. Now, of course, <laughs> I don't want it to take you eight years to get to get to that to the, that moment. But what I do want you to know is that you can choose to let it go. Doesn't mean it makes everything okay. Doesn't mean <clears throat> that you, um, you know, you go, oh yeah, everything happens for a reason. We're not talking about any of that. I'm talking about you letting go of that energy connection. 
And if you don't want to do that, why not? It's like you absolutely don't have to forgive anyone, but you do have to let go of that energy if you want to move forward, because that is the biggest act of self-love, because holding that, that pain, that anger inside never leads to anything good. You can use that pain and that anger to create change, to forge a new path, to make sure it never happens again, to assert boundaries. But holding it inside never, never works in the long run. So what can you do to let things go? How can you liberate yourself and bring in that increased potency when you accept yourself, flaws and all? accepting yourself for not fitting into how society wants you to fit in. Who cares what society thinks? This is about you. This is about what you want, what you are here to do. We are here for such a short amount of time in the world. You know, comparatively, if we look back at everything that has come before us and everything that may well come after us, it's like we are here for such a flash in the pan. It's like, why wouldn't you want to live your best life, most fully expressed life in the circumstances you have now, not to wait for everything to be perfect, not to wait until you've X, Y, and Z'd something, the kids have left home, you look a certain way, you've got a certain qualification, you've got a certain job, you've got a certain income, whatever it may be, whatever that story is that you tell yourself that when that happens, then I can do X, Y, and Z. But what if you let yourself do it now? What if you just went, oh yeah, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm here and I want to focus on moving forward or creating this change. It's like, focus on that. Let Forgive yourself for all the ways you've held yourself back, the stories you've told yourself, the ways you've berated yourself, the way you've shamed yourself, the way you've treated other people. Forgive yourself and make that change. Commit to that change. Become a person of your word that you're going to try and be kinder to yourself, that each day you're going to do something that nourishes you, that fills you with love, with joy, with hope, with whatever it is that you want more of in your life. It's like, accept where you are, because without that acceptance, it's like, I used to have this old boss and whenever anything went wrong, she'd be like, we are where we are. And it was a bit of a joke, really. Um, but it's true. We are where we are. We can't change that, but we can change the direction. It's like that North Star. You might find out you're 30 kilometres to the wrong side of that star, well, do you know what? You can change your steering wheel. You can wake up the crew and go, come on, guys, let's go this way instead. You know, we can do that. We can change how we respond in the moment. And that was probably one of my biggest lessons in life is when someone said, yeah, but you're choosing to feel like that again. I think I was about 18 at this age. And they're like, you're choosing to feel like that. And I was so indignant. How dare you say I'm choosing to feel like this? I'm justified to feel like this. And it wasn't for a couple of years. I was like, oh, I am choosing that. Oops. Um, But that was a very, very annoying lesson to learn. Um, But yes, we can create that change. Okay, so let's look at a couple of like practical ways that you can build self-trust, self-love up. So something that's really powerful is mirror work. Um, you might have heard um, Louise Hay talk about mirror work. I think she was one of the first people maybe to popularise this. And it's when you say an affirmation and you're looking in the mirror. Now, you don't even have to say an affirmation to start with. Just look look at yourself in the mirror. Just look in your eyes. Ooh, it can bring tears to your eyes just by looking, spending a few minutes. We often see ourselves, we might check your hair or do your makeup or something. 
But do you really look yourself deep in the eyes? And actually, you know, like they say, the the eyes are the windows to the soul. If you actually just look at yourself with soft eyes, and when I say soft eyes, I mean like with love and care and compassion, not to look at your face and go, oh, my nose is a bit wonky, or oh, I've got a little spot there, or oh, God, I've got an eye, an eye out of place, an, an eyebrow hair out of place. But to look deeply in yourself as like a soulful creature and just to stare at yourself just for a few minutes, longer if possible. And it's a really emotional thing to do because you actually see yourself, not see yourself as to critique yourself or to try and make yourself look presentable or a different way or to tidy up your hair or anything, but to really see yourself as a soulful person. And when people do this, it can be really emotional. Just let yourself feel the emotions. Or you might want to look in the mirror again, look deeply into your eyes and just tell yourself you love yourself. Put your hands over your heart, look yourself in the eyes and say, I love you and really mean it. I love you. And notice what comes up. Oh, no, I don't. Da, 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 da. Or you're like, oh my gosh, I really do. And allow yourself to receive it and keep practicing until you actually go, oh yeah, maybe I do love myself. Maybe that's okay. Um, another thing you could do is you might choose a crystal, something that you might want to associate with trust. So you could have, I don't know, you could have um, clear quartz maybe for like clear thinking, <laughs> for, for clear communication with yourself. Maybe it's a, a blue stone, um, angel eye or turquoise. And just hold, cleanse the crystal and then hold it in your hand and just feel it into, like charge it with the energy of self-trust. And then either put it on an altar or carry it in your pocket, knowing that every time you feel it, that strength of like from the earth, I mean, it could just be a pebble, but that grounded energy is to believe in yourself, to trust in yourself, to anchor yourself deeply into your own energy. You could even, so British, make uh, a trust building tea, <laughs> good old tea, tea and fire. Oh, you was guaranteed to get a cup of tea and, and a flame when I'm around. Um, but you could find a herb, obviously a safe drinking herb from a tea bag um, that is associated with trust, maybe something like chamomile. And drink that tea when you like brew that tea, stir it clockwise to like build up the self trust, the self love, the self belief, and just drink it with the intention that you are being nourished internally with those herbs, absorbing the energy of that focus of intent of like self like maybe you can get like a rose tea for a bit of self love um whatever feels appropriate for you. Um, I was thinking like mint tea because again it clears away the self-doubt the the lack of trust and so you're having the tea you're stirring it in the cup just to bring in the energy of believing in yourself clearing those pathways you know when you inhale minute clears all the pathways doesn't it um so you could do like a tea ritual and of course good old fire you could write something down on a piece of paper uh with um a red candle burning away and write down your intentions of building self-trust on that piece of paper. Uh, light the candle to focus your intention to bring your will and desire. And then you could burn the piece of paper, obviously somewhere safe, first of all. Um, but releasing your intention to the universe to bring in that energy of confidence and self-trust. So there is a lot today, <laughs> a lot to talk about. Who thinks you could talk about self-trust for quite so long? But yes, self-trust, believing in yourself loving yourself and, you know, forgiving, letting go of the past. This is how we move forward to really create um, potent magic. But the most important thing is you're building a relationship with yourself, one that is going to last you 
you the whole of your life. You are the one person that's going to be with you forever, for all of your life. So it's like, why wouldn't you want to create a better relationship, a more fun, a more loving, a more kind, a more compassionate, a more joyful, a more inspiring, a more abundant life with yourself to have your own back? Now, of course, this isn't going to happen overnight. Well, actually, that's a complete lie. We are open to having it happen overnight. And you may well fall back into old patterns. Just acknowledge that you've done it again and go, oh gosh, I'm so amazing at falling back into these old patterns and I'm choosing it differently again. As soon as you catch yourself, choose it differently. And of course, magical knickers, put on your knickers every day that inspire you to trust yourself, that inspire you to love yourself, that inspire you to remember how great you are. You know, I don't know what knickers would inform trust. I don't know, maybe they could be really big knickers like holding you in <laughs> and going, yep, I trust myself. Or maybe it's no knickers. I completely trust. Um, it's entirely up to you. If you haven't read my book, Magical Knickers, that might sound a bit of a crazy thing to, to do, but Magical Knickers for the win. So um, let me know if you're on Spotify. Obviously, you can type in the, the comment box. It's, you know, what, what have you enjoyed most about this episode? I think is the generic question, but let me know what you've loved. If not, come over into our community, send me a message. I'm around. What are you going to do to bring in more energy of self-trust so that you can really trust yourself and I can't tell you how much everything changes when you do trust yourself. Because next week, what we're looking at is the energies around us, our environment, the energies around us, how they offer us lessons and reflections and how they provide us um, guidance on how to perceive and interpret the signs and symbols around us. But first of all, to receive that information, we have to trust ourselves. We have to know when we are in our own way. So thank you for joining me. I will speak to you again very soon.